Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cast of Call on this very special Thanksgiving weekend edition of the podcast. We always recorded. Gobble, gobble, gobble. We almost recorded on Thanksgiving, and at the last minute, I I got a reprieve. I was like the the Thanksgiving turkey that Biden gave the. (laughs) (laughs) That was me only podcasting yesterday. (laughs) Well, when Um, I started getting the messages about um, you still waiting for your food to come out of the oven, I'm like, you know, this is kind of shitty. It was taking too long. It was like taking long, and I was like, but I have to eat before we record because I hadn't. I was like saving all like all my eating for Thanksgiving dinner, so I had had no food i was like i I can't wait to have the podcast i'm so sorry (laughs) Uh, completely okay so we managed to squeeze it in friday friday for many people is a day of not work even after thanksgiving because it's just a day that you can slough off and if you do go to the office no one is there except for crickets and contractors so congratulations it's a day of shop for me i will be doing a lot of shopping today after the pod you know i actually um needed to run to buy some stain for that crazy podcasting thing i built (laughs) which is awesome by the way yeah if you're uh uh, plug the discord if you (laughs) hop into the discord you can see one of my mini epic builds there so uh, epic that's a that's a subscription there um But yeah, uh, the you know, I think I ended up having to go to like Walmart to get the stain, which is weird. But um, they had it set up so that your Black Friday was literally just like sixty numbers in the parking lot, and you called the number and told them what number you're in, and your Black Friday purchase would come to your car. Oh, they're doing like all curbside today. Yeah, so like the it wasn't packed at all. I Amazing. got I got in, like parked in my spot, called, and had my stuff in five minutes, and was out of there. Heck yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I'm not like a huge Walmart fan. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's pretty good. And they also added like 12 superchargers to the parking lot. So, yeah. Did you see the thing about like all, all new construction has to have and like of commercial and re- and residential property now has to have like EV built into it? Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah. Which is rad. I mean, it seems like we're, or maybe that's only in the UK. I might be blending this, these stories. In the UK, that's true. Well, hopefully that's going to be true here because I feel like we need to head that direction. Like, if you filled your tank this week, <laughs> you're probably very in favor of moving to... I mean, okay, so I don't want to get too crazy political uh, or okay. anything, but but this is still podcast worthy. So people have been telling me, like, man, gas prices are so crazy right now. And so... <laughs> I went back two years to right before the pandemic and like looked up the gas prices in my area and our current gas prices are about like 20 cents less than they were before the pandemic. Really? Yeah. So like, yeah, it sucks that the gas is back to normal price again, but you got to remember no one was driving for two years. So yeah, of course now you have all this pent up demand to go places and gas has gotten back to regular price. Yeah. Is that I think the issue is that there is a certain degree of gouging that's happening because instead of increasing production oil companies or limiting the amount of oil they ship overseas and keeping it here domestically, they're just raising the prices. Yeah, fair. But I mean, demand also winter blend and all that business is like a real thing. So I don't know. It's gougy. It's gougy in a time where like so many people have been out of work, like, and there's been like so much financial hardship for the last three years, and the oil companies are just like. (laughs) 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 Anyway, welcome to the the caster call. Yeah, (laughs) that's our that's our political step for a moment, and (laughs) now back to Stephen King universe, where gas is regular priced. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, unnecessary. Apparently, you just shiver her leg at everywhere in Midworld. But <laughs> okay, so we'll be talking about things, all the things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your host, Rachel. And joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one and only DJ. Do you hear that, Rachel? Ding, ding. The bells. The, chimes, the bells, Rachel. The chimes. <laughs> the chimes. First they sound nice and then they're ominous. Then oh, they my eyes are watering. My eyes actually are watering. I have really bad allergies right now. <laughs> but I'm going to blame it on the charms. <laughs> All right. So plan for this episode. We're going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about Wolves of the Call of Part 1, Todash Chapter 2, New York Groove. And then we'll close out the show with some listener mail and our listener question. So before we get into all that goodness... Can you please remind our listeners what our spoiler policy is here on this here podcast? Like a low belly adjusting his hair, we will <laughs> let you know when we're about to cross the threshold into Tower Shop. Oh, spoilers. That was a good one, Deej. That was a really, really good one. <laughs> you know, or I need to just have like a dinner bell or something I can ring. <laughs> There you go. Exactly. With the chimes ring, you're entering the spoiler zone. (laughs) (laughs) With that in mind, um, there are a bunch of references in this one, so we may or may not dip in and out of the spoiler zone, in which case we will definitely let you know ahead of time when we cross that line. I feel like we're going to be going back a lot, but it might lead forward. We're definitely going to go back a lot because there's a lot of reference to stuff back, but we may have to go into what we think that might mean for the future. But we'll yeah, see. and I, I think I'm going to have more questions on this chapter than uh-huh. answers because uh-huh. it's there's a lot of stuff that I know I should know, but then I don't know, and I rely on Rachel to research the things that I may ask about ahead of time. So this is the first time I've ever had to put screen caps in my personal notes. <laughs> what? Whoa. <laughs> yeah whoa yeah getting crazy here yeah it's getting wild up in here today okay (laughs) all right where did we last leave off with rolling in the gang uh so if you remember the the fabled muffin balls were going down strong and they give you uh vivid dreams is what roland said knowingly and with like a sly intent and Uh then the gang falls asleep and boom we find jake and eddie Hanging out in Jake's New York. Uh, We do realize that this is a little bit further back than Eddie remembers New York, but still close enough for it to be within spitting distance of the New York win that he was from. We also find out that Oi, uh, like the American Express, you never leave home without him, is there with him to hang out and enjoy this New York win. Uh, As they're walking through, like you get this vivid kind of cute picture painted in New York. There's a guy listening to a a Walkman of all things. Like I was almost waiting for it to be like a Sony Walkman. (laughs) And he's like, you know, kind of like singing to himself. You imagine like those cartoons from the seventies where people like kind of had that weird, like curvy stance and like walked with long legs as they listened to their Walkman. (laughs) Um, You you know the one I'm talking about, right? I do know what you're talking about. (laughs) And then we find out too, that they're not, they're there, but they're kind of not there. The description we get is sort of like the crystal ball Uh um, where when they were able to look in on, on Roland and see what was going on with Rhea, they, uh, they were in the scene, but like they were invisible to everybody else. But there was a sense of their presence, 
In this case, it's a little stronger. Um, as always wandering around, a lady who is basically walking through New York like most New Yorkers, who's like, I'm here, I'm walking, get out of my way. <laughs> uh, right. Still manages to like lift her skirt and like overstep Oi almost um, instinctually without seeing him. Mm-hmm. And we also get this feeling that people are like kind of walking around him. Yeah. There's also uh, a little bit of a a dream feel to this in that the colors are described as a little darker than the current New York, mm-hmm. which is an interesting and question mark mm-hmm. Rachel thing that mm-hmm. I wanted to ask about. But I'll save that yeah. for later because uh, yeah, we'll get into it. It gets a little bit deeper on that, and then of course. Uh, we find out that um, they do know where they're at because 77 is walking in front of them. And who is 77, Rachel? That would be Jake Chambers on May 21st, 1977, a.k.a. the day he saw the rose. Yeah. And I think <laughs> uh, as soon as they see him, they realize that. And then there's this awesome joke, too, because um, Stephen King's kind of painting this picture, not of just New York, but of how much they have changed versus – yeah um the new york that they came from and so as we see 77 jake walking around he's got like the good dockers on his pants are in okay shape he's like kind of on a mission um still dealing with that like mental um Mm -hmm. anguish from the the split dead alive jake yeah and then it like it kind of flashes to to eddie and jake and and they're like, you know, his hair is straight, but it looks like it hasn't been touched by a professional in many years. Um, his dockers are gone because they're eaten by the plaster man as he, like, crossed over to Midworld. And then <laughs> Jake's like, good thing people couldn't see us. And then he stops for a second and kind of laughs to himself. He's like, if they could see us, we'd be showered and changed. He'd be rich in a minute. <laughs> yep. Which paints, like, a, a, a fun picture. And so – basically that's where we start off in new york now i see you got two stars here what 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 have i missed yeah okay well i mean i think we should talk a little bit about we're introduced to the concept of the chimes and oh yeah yeah that's true we don't know what it is yet but it we get some kind of reference points that it's kind of like a thinny but not quite and it's kind of like when they were in the wizard's glass but not quite and i it it gives us kind of conceptually like a frame of reference but i also think it does a little bit of world building that there is kind of similarities in the different ways that you cross between worlds like there is some sometimes it feels like very um random and and situational that we when stephen king does some of this world breaking but here he is kind of laying out and connecting the dots between these two, like, disparate ways that people pass through worlds, which I thought was it was interesting and comes back to this idea that King definitely had much more uh, of a, instead of a, he had, like, a clear vision of where he wanted to go. Like, he had, he had figured out the end game a little bit, I think, and, and this is one of the ways where he, you can tell he sort of outlined how this world works instead of just kind of, like, going from book to book. Yeah, so um, question on the bells. Uh, do you think this is like kind of the way the the Manny travel from world to world, or are I they literally so. finding like cracks to go back and forth? Well, I think we're going to find out for sure. Okay, but <laughs> foreshadowing. But I don't remember. I don't so either. I would say my my guess, my gut says yes. This is this is how they do it. But I also 
I don't know. I mean, if you think about it, the Manny are in this area where muffin balls are definitely a thing. So maybe potentially the reason there was a field of them is maybe that's a Manny field. Who knows? I don't know. I'm just, this is speculation. So this has already caught me off guard because from my previous memory, I thought that this book immediately focused on Susanna and it hasn't. So no, I, I am that's like next episode. Or next, oh, yeah. okay, okay. Because I was like, I jumped into this and I'm like, well, I vaguely remember this stuff, but I thought this book was more about Susanna than anything else. And well, like, I think Song of Susanna is probably mostly about her. Oh, okay, okay. But I don't remember because honestly, like you, these three books, because they, unlike the rest of them where you like had to kind of wait between them a little bit, like mm-hmm. these, I just like brrr, sped through. So they, they have blended in my memory, but I, I, the next chapter that we'll be covering is called called mia no and i think we'll be touching on susanna when we get we when we're introduced to mia so game on yes yes okay the other thing i think we have to point out is they're back in the same day yeah this is there's something about this day obviously that is really really important because not only did we experience day jake having this day this is the second time we've had a dream sequence third actually we've had a dream sequence that took place on this like on this day they keep getting drawn back either to this day or to this place because they have the dream where it's Susanna Eddie and um Susanna Eddie and Jake where it's it's not the same day but it's the same place and they're wearing the same outfits and they refer like they think of themselves as ghosts Mm-hmm. Which is kind of foreshadowing to this sort of chimes travel. I'm not calling it what it's called. <laughs> chimes travel. We're just going to call it chimes travel for this episode in case people are reading along for the first time. Um, and then we also had the shared dreams between Jake and Eddie where he was having the prophetic dreams about Jake were on this day. So I think that the book or I mean, I think we're definitely being told that this is an extremely important sort of linchpin day uh, in the story. Okay, yeah, and uh, we kind of already knew that from, like, the time this this actually unfolded in front of us previously. But with this one, we actually get some, like, insight into stuff that Jake didn't see yeah, going which on, really which makes it, like, a little cooler because it explains – well, I should say it explains. <laughs> it doesn't explain, but it gives <laughs> you more questions on a, a ever-expanding scope of the thing that you had questions on previously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So basically, uh, they see Jake. They're following him. Um, Jake kind of remembers where the rose is. Mentions we should go check it out. And like Eddie's like, "No, nah, let, let's wait on that. This seems important. We should follow him." Uh, they both have like an ominous feeling about yeah the city. Like it's there, they're there, but it doesn't quite feel right or yeah. same. And the little things like signage and so on are a bit different. And if you remember the uh, bookstore that Jake entered into, the clever thing was like it was like a meal for the mind naming convention. Yeah. And so like the book advertisements were like, you know, hard boiled this and like uh, soft serve that and Mm -hmm. like a lot of food analogies to describe the book. Uh, Stephen King even referenced one of his own books in here and – I don't remember him being referenced previously, and there's a moment where Jake is like, this isn't the same. I don't remember what's wrong with this, but it's not the same. Yep, that's right. So we get – like you were saying that they feel like something is off, and 
part of it is that Eddie is having trouble. Like he keeps having these thoughts of like, we, we shouldn't have shadows. It's dark outside, Mm -hmm. but then being like, no, it's morning. And so there's this really great quote that I pulled that I think is sort of like indicative of what they're experiencing. So this is when he's thinking he's having this sort of like cognitive dissonance around whether or not there should be shadows. It says, yet it seems somehow dark to Eddie as if they as if all of this were nothing but a fragile surface, like the canvas backdrop of a stage set. At rise, we see the forest of Arden, or a castle in Denmark, or the kitchen of Willie Loman's house. In this case, we see Second Avenue, Midtown, New York. Yes, like that. Only behind this canvas, you wouldn't find the workshop and storage areas of the backstage, but only a great bulging darkness, some vast dead universe where Roland's tower has already fallen. Dun, dun. So there it's kind I'm thinking of it almost like a like a light version of what Roland and Jake were feeling where they were experiencing two realities simultaneously. Mm-hmm. On one hand they see in front of them New York, but there's another part of their mind that knows even subconsciously that they're like surrounded in darkness. And so some of that is bleeding through into um some of that is bleeding through into their their awareness it's like peeking through i think that we're gonna learn a lot more about it soon i think roland's gonna explain to them what's going on um so i can't i know what it is but i can't get into it the other thing that keeps coming up are 19s if you recall the first time that that Eddie, or sorry, Jake was heading through town on this day. We talked a lot about signposts and the way mm-hmm. that the the tower, like it kept coming up in various versions, mid-world, like all these things were literally signposted as R- Jake was like on this path to find his way back to mid-world. And this time around, I think the signposts are literally 19. So like, I mean, 19 has a lot of different meanings in this, but one of them I think is a way of indicating that Jake is Jake and Eddie are very much on the path of call right now. Well, and that's actually a good segue. So um, when Jake is like, people have gone crazy. They're all 19, you know? Yeah. Um, he also starts to kind of have a flashback to previous Jake at this moment in time in his life when he had just finished his essay mm-hmm. and the essay, you know, the, the blade is a pain and so on. And he'd taken like a picture of the leaning tower of Pisa and scribbled it in the best he could, all black, knowing that this essay was going to be the most important grade of the year for the class that he was in, and that his teacher had insanely given him, you know, uh, high marks on that paper, and and then he refers to her as being crazy, and they've all lost their mind, and they're all nineteen, and so part of that combination there is like the darkness that's sitting in the background. And the 19 that's sitting in the foreground, it, it, at least in my my view of this little section, is that, like, they're crazy because the craziness is, like, you know, whatever was keeping them from being crazy is is gone. And now they're just, like, regular crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's as, that's as close as I can get without, uh, you know, moving forward from here. Yeah. <laughs> Before we have to ring the chimes. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. So that's just like a, a not even a subtle thing. Like Stephen King's use of 19 through this chapter isn't mm-hmm. like, and they walked by 19th Street. No, it's like, no. 19, look at that. 
Yeah, yeah. It's and also like it's very LinkedIn was sort of like obsessive compulsive, which yeah. to me is interesting because like one of the running themes sort of that has been backgrounded in the last couple of books is ha- is that Roland is driven by obsession. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know. I haven't fully kind of organized my thoughts around that, like parsed my thoughts around it, but I do think that their compulsion is something that is kind of a, a theme for these books and i and i wonder how much of that is just story and how much of it is re- a reflection of where the the writer was at that time uh so on, on that same note um they follow jake into or basically close to uh the bookshop and they they notice the sign that we mentioned but they also notice like the book that will eventually save their lives when they're writing on blaine the mono and th- Eddie's sort of like, oh, good, good. There's 21 books there. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. And then Jake takes two of them. Yeah. And leaves 19. And then he's like, oh, no. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and at that moment, we kind of get more insight into what's going on with this world because Eddie's like, uh, hey, who wrote, you know, Charlie the Choo Choo? And I don't remember either author's name. It was maybe. Beryl Evans. Okay. Beryl Evans. And then what's the new author that's on this book? Claudia Inez Bachman. Now, does that – that's – the reason I wanted to ask that is because does that mean anything? Like does that name, new name, have any it significance? Does. Okay. I thought it did, but I just <laughs> didn't know what it was. Okay. So let's get into that. First of all, Richard Bach- – the Richard Bachman reference. Richard Bachman is a pseudonym of Stephen King. Like he there, – there are the Bachman books. Like Rage is a Bachman book. And he has made a fictional wife for Richard Bachman, whose name is is Claudia Inez Bachman. The Y is added to bring the number of letters to the name to 19. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that subtle is, and not subtle. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> so that that is what that name – that's the origin of that name. Okay, I I knew it was important, and I knew you would know, so thank you, Rachel, for being the research wing (laughs) of the Kastikoff. No worries. There's actually another reference I wanted to point out in this section. It's just kind of a little Easter egg that I thought was kind of fun, which is there when he's remembering the conversation or we're, we're hearing little bits and pieces of the conversation that he previously had. They One of the points that's pointed out is uh, is Tower talking to him about his Jake's name and how he says it belongs – he sounds like a cowboy and that like it belongs in a Dwayne D. Overholzer. Yeah, I don't novel. know who that is either. So I looked him up and he wrote like dozens of westerns, but his book, The Lawman, was made into the motion picture Star in the Dust, um, in from nineteen fifty six, which was Clint Eastwood's first uncredited Western role. Star in the Dust. Okay, I'm writing that down. Yeah. The other thing is, is like he wrote under a ton of pseudonyms as well, and I was like, okay. The layers, the layers of what we're experiencing here. <laughs> <laughs> so when they walk into the coffee, uh, coffee shop slash bookshop, we, we still get that same feel that we had before. And Stephen yeah. King this time refers to the old guys that are hanging out at this uh, like counter that looks like it was stolen from like a soda shop and put into this bookstore. It, it are the old folks that were there previously. But now he describes them as low bellies. 
And this is a new term that I do, or I think it's a new term. I don't remember it previously. He, he doesn't call them low bellies until a little bit later because low bellies means cowards. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I no, no, no. It's fine. I grouped that in, but yes, uh, you're right. He refers to him as slinking out of the place as mm-hmm. low bellies. Mm-hmm. I did not know low bellies meant coward. I thought it meant like as you get older, your belly gets bigger. <laughs> so <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like that ex- that too. But no, I think he's specifically being like these fucking low belly cowards slithering uh, out. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, so basically, those guys are in there. Um, we, we've talked about the table now having nineteen books on it. We've talked about the change of the author. Yes. Um, the demeanor is pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, really friendly. And uh, Jake leaves, and they're like, "Well, let's go check out the rose now." And as Jake is walking down the street, or 77 Jake is walking down the street, he they look and see that um, a, a, like a limo or a fancy car of some kind is, is pulled up. And there's a moment where Jake realizes that other Jake is looking forward, not looking to the past, because he's kind of got this drive to get back to Midworld, yeah. to get back to Roland. Yeah. And this Jake is actually seeing the stuff that if he'd only turned around, he missed. Mm-hmm. And... And then we get a moment where we realize that just like the previous times where they visited the doors, these characters are interconnected and interwoven with the characters that they come up against in their own stories uh, throughout. And it's almost like that um, one of those movies where they like stop at a train and one she gets on the train and the other one she doesn't. Yeah, like a sliding then, doors situation. Yep, yeah, exactly. Uh huh. And so this is one of those moments where like basically uh, he gets to see that car pull up, and there's a there's a discussion in Eddie's head where like he sees the car, he kind of recognizes it. He sees a couple of these gangsters get out and recognize it, and then realizes that Balazar is also there getting out of the car. And when he sees that, there's a moment of recognition that, you know, if this were anything very important, he would have just sent his muscle to go out and and have this conversation with an individual. But he would almost never actually go out by himself unless it was really important. So Balthazar is out there, like, actually going to visit Tower and walks in. And, and Eddie and Jake are like, well, I don't want to go in there. Let's you know? pause right here because one quick thing before we head into the store and that is something that you i unless you read the argument you probably are not aware of did Mm. you did you happen to listen to the argument at the beginning or or read it i did but um i held it in my brain like anything else like shiny object and it it's lost forever so there is a minor i don't know if it's a retcon so much as like stephen king was like "Ooh, i could squeeze something into into this or maybe he meant it all along i don't know but in the argument you find out that the person that ran over jake was enrico balazar what yeah so here's the quote from the argument Jake finds himself in this desert way station after being pushed into the for, uh, pushed into 43rd Street and run over by a car. The car's driver was named Enrico Balazar. The pusher was a criminal sociopath named Jack Moore, Walter's representative on the New York level of the Dark Tower. Oh, wow. So, okay. So it's not just um, the pusher being in two spots to the story. Then Balazar yep. basically like takes on the mantle and passes forward to the next character. 
So basically, yes, these characters are so intermeshed that this person that later that Eddie is going to murder <laughs> is the person who ran, who actually physically ran over Jake. Um, oh, that's so interesting. I went back and pulled the the quote from the Wastelands where okay. they describe it. It says, "Down the street, bright May sunshine twinkled on the Cadillac hood ornament. It was Jake knew a 1976 sedan Deville." Six seconds. The caddy was speeding up. The light was getting ready to change. And the man driving the Deville, the fat man in the blue hat with the feather stuck jauntily in the brim, meant to scat through the intersection before it could. Three seconds. Behind Jake, the man in black was lunging forward. So so that's Enrico Balazar, apparently. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I didn't picture him with a feather in his hat. Yeah. See, this is why I'm I'm unsure if this is a retcon. I think it might be. But I think it's really important to understand that, like, the king is really weaving a set of characters together throughout the timeline. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I I agree with you 100%. I just that part didn't stick to me when i of course not of course not. <laughs> and then the feather in the hat thing like i don't know um it, this almost seems like like you're right like uh stephen king's like i i meant to do that right because i think obviously <laughs> kinda, he like, went didn't. back and went through them all because he tweaked the gunslinger and stuff i sounds mm-hmm. like he read them all and was like "Ooh, <laughs> there's an opportunity here character. yeah exactly nice. i mean i kind of like what he's doing i think it's interesting but but I just wanted to to make sure to mention that. I don't know how important it's going to be in the story. I don't remember. But it, it was an interesting sort of bit of information. Yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for bringing that up, actually. Uh, I, I was trying to connect them all with uh, characters in between, but that part I, I had missed. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we hop back into the story and these guys are in the they, – they're walked in the store. Jake and, and Eddie are like a little bit nervous and they'd rather not. And Eddie's like, that's why we have to because <laughs> there's something we need to see in here. Yeah. So despite their like feeling and the darkness that's around them, um, they head in. There's a moment too where when they get into uh, Tower Shop – that it feels even darker mm-hmm. in there than it does outside. Yep. And they're like, how can this be? Because this has, you know, I, I think East facing windows was the yeah. reference. Uh-huh. And so, and it's morning. So light should be pouring into this place. And in fact, it is pouring into this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, why does it feel darker in here? And the reason I wanted to make sure to underline that is because uh, again, we're getting close to, I suppose the the rose in the center of the universe sort of thing. And mm-hmm. that darkness almost is like what they were mentioning about the rose and how it'll make everything nicer and better and brighter. Yeah. And this feels like possibly an absence of said item to mm-hmm. make you feel brighter and better um, without going any further than that. Just something to plant a seed and, and to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... And I don't. Hopefully, I didn't steal your thunder, Rachel. And no, 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 not at all, not at all. That one's uh, that one was one that was like kind of haunting me a little bit. And then we actually get like a kind of cool little story that's going on here. Uh, turns out that Mister Tower, who has changed his name apparently from yes like, Tori Torin 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 to Tower Torin to Tower, who's mm-hmm. like a little mealy about it. Like, no, no, I changed my name to Tower. Right. Which to me, I was like, oh, 
that's interesting. You know, know, why would he do that? He must, if he's just your run of the mill bookseller, why would he change his name from Torin to Tower? And to me, it indicates that he knows more than your average bookseller about the, um, the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds, sounds completely plausible. Mm-hmm. Um, so as it unravels, we figure out that, um, Tower has taken some kind of loan mm-hmm. or exchange from these gangsters, um, from a parent companies that we, we will recognize soon as Somber Corp. Mm-hmm. Um, and this has been done in exchange for him to not sell a property that he owns for one year and give them some kind of exclusivity to the possible purchase of it Mm -hmm. during that future time. Um, And so as they got him at the counter and I'm kind of like bouncing around here, so sorry guys, but (laughs) this is where we get the other guys are drinking coffee. Like he's like, we need to have a private conversation and, and he's like, well, what about my shop? You know, this is a busy time. Yeah. (laughs) And the gangsters, like, actually kind of make fun of him. Yeah, they're like, come on, this store makes 50 bucks a day if you're lucky. Yep, and so uh, they, like, grab someone and kind of put him behind the counter, and the other guys kind of slink out, and uh, and they basically are like, we need to have this conversation privately. You don't want to have it out here with all these people, right? And so they head back to the storeroom, and this is where we we kind of get more of an understanding of what Jake and Eddie are actually about in this physical world that they're visiting. Um, they shut the door, head head to the back, and Eddie's like, "Just a sec, I got this." And 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 he's like, "Jake's like, what?" And he's like, "If I knock my head, then you can make fun of me later." But you know, right? Like, Just let me try this. And so Eddie closes his eyes and pulls like a. A uh, uh, ghost move. Yeah. Like, I almost like, I, I know Bill Cosby's like pretty iffy, but this is like a ghost dad moment where like. <laughs> pretty iffy. <laughs> but ghost dad is the one I could think of where like when he's first a ghost dad, he like figures out that he can push through something by accident by like, you know, kind of like, I can't do this. And then he does. Well, Eddie like gets through there and they realize that like they do sort of have ghost like powers of passing through walls and objects and items. Mm-hmm. And so Jake is like, Oi, close your eyes. And this is super cute. He's like, Oi, he's like, okay. And then, I love Oi so much. And then they push through the door too. And bam, they're on the other side. And the reason I want to underline the ghost thing is because earlier we got the kind of sensation that people could feel them, but not, actually see them or know that they existed and now we get it again as they push through this door um the gangsters have mr tower there with you know his contract that he signed kind of under his nose and suddenly they're kind of like this doesn't feel right like you have someone hiding back here spying on us and tower's like nah nah man i you know our our cat's back here somewhere um and they're like no no this just doesn't feel normal what's going on here and it's because eddie and jake are hanging out like looking over their shoulder as they're having this conversation about the paper yeah and and so with that reveal they're in the warehouse and we get the rundown of what's going on and it's the stuff i mentioned earlier about the the uh, lot and so on and somber cork but also that 
Mr. Tower actually owns the property where the rose is located. And this is like, well, you mentioned he changed his name and he's got to know more, right? And then we also know that he's running a failing business that uh, the gangsters point out are like, you know, uh, this is like a crazy art person's place. Like you throw money into it, but it never makes you anything. And so in desperation to keep his bookstore open, he has basically jeopardized the location of the rose uh, to to continue running his shop. So Right. And, and as they're revealing this, um, basically Eddie and Jake kind of are getting called back from the dream mm-hmm. with the ringing bells. And Eddie is struggling to get these last bits of information off that paper before they're pulled back to their current existence in Midworld. And that's where we leave it. And now I kind of powered through a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, but Rachel, you got three stars on this one. So I'm, yeah, let me, I'm let me dip back into just a few little things. I think one thing of note is interesting is that Balazar is not there on his own behalf, but on his boss's behalf. Yeah. So he's working for someone. We don't know who, uh, but the boss has a boss, which is interesting. Does he wear uh, black? Or red? I don't know. Or we'll red. find out. <laughs> I guess could be black, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. The other thing is, is we, I think this is just kind of a, you know me, I love a metaphor. There is a moment when they first go back in the storage shop, right? Like mm-hmm. the storage area where his office is. And Eddie is kind of surprised by what it looks like, that it's huge. It's much bigger than he expected. And it's just full of books to the point where some of the books are like load bearing, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) They're like towers of books holding up the the ceiling or whatever. And I, I think visually, like it's very cinematic, like you can totally picture it in your mind like it, it's exactly sort of that imaginary like something out sort of, of Diagon Alley yes exactly or like a never-ending story or something yep. like I, I I love that but then I also started thinking about it on like a metaphorical level and how that storage room kind of is a little bit like tower slash Torrent himself right like you expect one thing but when you get behind the closed door you there's a lot more there there's more knowledge more like kind of almost like you said like diagon alley like a mystical feeling to him and even though he's outwardly simple like there's much more knowledge and complexity to him than you would need plus he appears to be a fairly foundational character so you know so i think there's a lot of sort of metaphor about who torin really is in the description of this now is torin a name that I should recognize from somewhere that I don't. I looked it up and it, like it is it doesn't I looked up like the meaning and the coat of arms. There was nothing really direct. It's like a Spanish name or a Scandinavian name, depending on which Google search you fall the hole you fall down. But neither of them were I think it's just that it's similar to Tower. So uh, on that same note, another question. Uh, There's a moment where like they refer – one of the goons refers to him as a square head. Yes. Okay. And and, uh, the other guy's like, that's offensive. Stop that. So a square head is someone who is – it's like slang for someone who's stupid. Oh, okay. And he also calls him a Dutchman, which – like, what does which, that mean? Well, I mean, I think for one thing, the the fact that the two different sort of origins for Torin, one of them is Spanish and one of them is Scandinavian, means mm-hmm. he's probably Scandinavian. But oh, okay. also, it's also the reason he's like shut your fucking mouth, basically, is because it is also a pejorative that was like came about and it like 
kind of it refers to like a traitor or an enemy or someone untrustworthy to call them a Dutchman. So we called them an idiot and like a traitor. Yeah. Okay. I so that's the problem with some of these older mean slangs is yeah. they don't mean anything to me. Yeah. I and mean me so either, I was like, but I was like I knew it's offensive. Mm, I just Google. didn't know why it was offensive. <laughs> yeah. I just kinda like Google a lot when I'm like <laughs> on my second or third read through. Anything that like stands out, I'm like, I better look that up. Um, so then it like um and I'm this is unrelated to the book, but uh Flying Dutchman, is that like like a spy through the air then? Or Well the Flying Dutchman was like an actual person oh was he yeah wasn't he i don't know i just i knew no. it was na- something they named stuff after like there was like a plane or a or something that was like the flying dutchman so would that be up. a spy plane uh oh no, no no i'm sorry i was wrong it is a legendary ghost ship okay okay so then that makes sense from that perspective like the flying dutchman would be like a sneaky sure ship sure i mean it's like okay. a pirate ship right so so yeah a ghost pirate ship oh right because isn't that the one that davy jones is the captain yeah, that's, of? i kind of yeah seems like i remember that I, I didn't remember it being a person i think but I, I was blending it, it with a... the red baron <laughs> oh. <laughs> no that's a pizza guy right yeah well yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes you no, are correct but also uh okay so the other thing is just sort of like a fun little side notes is that mm-hmm. we find out that the the place that he owns is lot 298 on block 19 block 19 mm-hmm. but also 298 if you add it up 19 so it's 1919 yes this is also um we get our mention of um of Sombra, which is the company that has like the first right of sale basically in this deal. Um, I, presumably that's because um, whoever Balazar is working for is linked to Sombra, I would assume. I think it's fair to assume. Uh, so this is actually the second time in the books that we've heard Sombra. I went through and I did a word search for every book. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. And this is only the second time that Sombra has come up. The first time was in the Wastelands. Because I think I tend to blend some of these company names together. Because there's also like North Central Positronics and the Tech Corp and all that kind of stuff, right? So mm-hmm. um, so the first mention was in Sombra when Jake sees the lot for the first time. It's on the sign that says Mills, Mills Construction and Sombra Real Estate Associates are coming – Continuing to remake the face of Manhattan. Coming soon to this location, Turtle Bay Luxury Condominiums. Call blah, blah, blah for information. You'll be so glad you did. The other time, and I think that that we we get this name, is again, in uh, the next time it shows up is in Wizard and Glass. And this is the time, do you remember the dream sequence that takes place outside the lot? Um, uh, of the rose Yeah, when lot? he like sees into the rose and like... Um, it like opens up and glows and all that business. No, it's when Jake and Eddie and Susanna have a shared dream while they're like sleeping on the side of the road, um, in Wizard and Glass, where they mm. okay. So it's it's this time though we find out it's the 1990s because there's like a Adam Sandler poster and like 
Uh, oh, yeah, I vaguely, vaguely remember Adam Sandler. Right. Okay. And then they're standing outside looking into the lot, and then they hear, like, an engine revving, and this giant red bulldozer comes crashing through one of yep, the walls. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, and it says, like, all hail the Crimson King on it, and it's being driven by Gasher, and he's, like, aiming for the rose, and then the driver turns into Engineer Bob, and then it turns into Roland. So do you remember all of this stuff? Yes, now you have you have struck a chord, I do remember. Yes, so these are the two times previously that we have seen Sombra come up. And so now we're getting some context, essentially. Now we know that, that Sombra is some kind of corporation that is paying gangsters to strong arm this guy. Like, to basically lure him into this deal because he has this obsession with his bookstore. Like, to monopolize on that that sort of weakness to be like okay we're gonna give you money to keep your store open however in one year you have to we have first rate of sale because they know he's not gonna he's gonna spend that money and it's gonna be gone and he's gonna need to sell this property and so now they have the first right to buy it mm-hmm. so just some sort of like i didn't expect to care about business deals but because we've seen <laughs> it in all this stuff about sombra it's like oh this is the meaning behind some of what's happening on this sign, which we just thought it was like word salad at the time of like, oh, look at all these like signposts for Jake. But there's actually more in the sign of import than you would think on a first read through. Oh, man, capitalism. Oh, man, capitalism. <laughs> Interestingly, there is a Robert Browning calendar in in this story. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So again, it's just these are little Easter eggs, right? But I feel like. They're Easter eggs, but they're also like little things that King is seeding in so that when we get it to later plot points, which we, you know what I'm talking about, like, Mm -hmm. like the blending of worlds. Let's just go with that. That's a nice amorphous term, but you know what I'm saying? I think he's trying to kind of like clue you into these things because it's interesting that that calendar and the signpost or the, the change in the signage out front coincide in this well and we find out that the name changed so like does that mean that this one you know he changed his name here but like in jake's original world he did not change his name and it was just that was his name i mean i don't i don't know i don't either i i mean i think i don't the worlds might be so close that maybe it's that's that's not one of the variations but i don't think we know no I mean, as soon as I heard the signpost change, I'm like, sliders. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we haven't gotten our sliders reference in this week. Uh, there it is. Bam. Okay. Anything? I guess you can. I, my last notes for the very, very end. So. Oh, no, that's that's all I got. Um, well, I mean, there is the, the, chimes, the chimes. The ch- so, yeah. So the chimes go off. They're pulled back. We get a we get to see our great sage and imminent junkie. Uh, oh, yeah. I forgot. His from- brother shows up at the very end, like yellow teeth and all Ooh. like, I told you, ghost of Christmas past. Gotcha. But we also get a peek behind the veil, which is interesting. It's really brief. But as they're pulled back through the charm chimes, Eddie sees something. And he says, Wait. do you not remember this? It's really creepy. No, I forgot okay, this cool. Part. There were things in the darkness, looming shapes beyond, behind weird phosphorescent eyes, the sort of things you saw in movies about exploring the deepest cracks of the ocean floor. Except in those movies, the explorers were inside a steel diving bell. But he and Jake, dot, dot, dot. So basically, 
he's been experiencing like this darkness around the edges of the world. Like there's that thing about like a black Corona around the sun, which is like mm-hmm. so cinematic and like, God, I hope someone makes these movies someday. Cause I want to see it. But also we discover that whatever sort of dark area that they are, ha- are have entered that is associated with the chimes is also full of monsters. So maybe it's not like I was thinking like muffin balls to New York, like great, but maybe it's not such a convenient way of breaking the world after all. Like I do kind of actually appreciate that there is a potential cost to using this technique of crossing worlds because it, I mean, everything they went through to bring Jake through every, like all, all these weird mystical things that had to happen in order for the world to break before it felt very convenient that you could just have like a tasty snack and take a nap and then bam, you're in New York. (laughs) So I think this is a good way of raising the stakes of being like, yeah, but you can't just be using this all the time that there's like real danger. Hmm. I, so I do actually remember that bit, but I kind of thought that was leaning back towards the, the lack of the rose in that particular world and universe that that could be as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see how that unfolds without uh, yeah. talking about it more. Correct, correct. All right. <laughs> so overall, what did you think of this chapter? Um, I liked it. I I actually really love when um we do some of these time travel things, and you can actually pin down some characters. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a ton of substance to this right. chapter, but it's it's cool to like revisit it. And I hadn't really thought about the cleverness. And it's kind of funny because, like, as I read through that bit about, like, um, the character saying, like, yeah, that's kind of a clever way to do a bookstore. It's like Stephen King, like, reaching around to his own back and being like, I'm a smart guy. I came up with this really good idea. (laughs) And then, like, then also expressing that through his characters in his book. Yeah, well. (laughs) And then putting his name on the title. That's why um, that one was funny to me is Mm -hmm. because, like, you're – you're like Stephen King being like, clever guy came up with this clever bookstore and my name's on it. Ha, look at that. that that's funny. I I did that. <laughs> but it's yeah, hard it, not it, to it, comment on that. I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just making agreeing noises. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Yeah, so for me, this chapter, I feel like the first time you read through it, it's probably... Like, it's a mysterious chapter, and it makes you be like, huh, this is interesting. Something's happening here, but I don't know what it is. I think it's especially interesting on a second read-through because you have enough knowledge now to recognize where the, like, signposts are, right? And then it's fun to kind of deconstruct what's happening and go back to all, like, connect it to all the foreshadowing you got, right? Because the earlier books are just of foreshadowing and some of the stuff you think like okay i understand what's happening here and then some of the stuff you dismiss but when you get later you realize like oh all of this stuff had meaning and so that part of it making those connections i think is was really fun for me this time around like i really liked going back through the old books and like figuring out like oh this is how this changed and well mm-hmm. what does that mean and oh there was also this dream sequence that like seemed crazy and like surrealistic but actually there's a lot of breadcrumbs here that we're now finally getting to pick up the pieces for we're getting a whole loaf no more crumbs now, has someone analyzed like all of these yes. breadcrumbs that we're getting and I'm like sure. shown whether or not they were actually there to begin with or whether they were post posthumously added to like create the trail that it ends up solidifying 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Because, you know, like that dream you were talking about, I remember that. And also I kind of remember thinking, like, that was weird and sort of, like, out of context and strange. Like, it almost wasn't part of this book at first. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know that anyone can know without actually talking to King himself. Like, Robin Firth probably knows, but I have no idea. Um, hmm. I do think that... Probably some of the stuff is like convenient, like great, like back connecting. Some of it I feel like is intentional. Um, but either way, it's good writing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's pretty fucking clever. You know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I love making those connections. I love those aha moments. And I, uh, I don't know that I typically like you get them more in movies than you do in books. And so that was just kind of kind of cool. Yeah, this was a definitely like a Back to Future. Uh-huh. Uh, two where they're like or three i mean where they're like in the past future like behind yeah. them like looking <laughs> you know what's bummer is going back and watching jack to the future too which i always loved and realizing it's kind of an awful like shitty movie <laughs> <laughs> i haven't even i haven't recently watched three i bet it's horrendous as well no no uh so here's the thing if you like back to the future I and do. you want to continue this on i may have maybe i've told you this before but there's a point and click yes. adventure game i need to play that i have it and i just have not no, played don't, it don't even play it don't play it don't play just, it no no just go watch someone who doesn't talk at all play it perfectly on youtube oh and there's like six parts and each part, if it's played perfectly, takes about an hour and a half. Oh. And it unveils, like, what the story should have continued to be as Back to the Future rolled forward okay. as a movie series. And it's voiced by all of the characters from Back to the Future. Really? And is that, yep. like, a Lucas LucasArts game? I don't know if it's done by LucasArts or not. Um, someone would have to fact check that one. But uh, regardless, you know, um, uh, uh, you know. Every voice from the show or from the movie is the voice of their character in the click through adventure. So watching those and going through them is like just watching a cartoon version of of Back to the Future continued on. And I mean, Christopher Lloyd and, and everybody else is all doing the voices and it's great. And if you play it yourself, like I don't know how good you are at click adventures, but it actually takes like three or four hours to like piece all the clues together. And that kind of ruins the cinematic experience. Mm, yeah. So I, I bought the game just so games, I. But I'm not necessarily good at that. Yeah, I'm bad at it too. And some of the puzzles are like, yeah. oh, this guitar pick and then this guitar. And then like you need to go back over here and yeah. like sell it to this guy and like do this thing. I've never yeah. made it all the way through Grim Fandango. Like I, I'm, I've gotten close. I think I'm close to the end. But like, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. I am not the clever one to figure them out. Yeah. Speaking of aha moments, <laughs> when you okay. do actually get it right, it is so satisfying. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, that the, that's how I feel about that chapter. I liked it quite a bit. I um, but yeah. Um, okay, what else have we got going on? Okay, Stephen King universe. We do get one here, and I don't know if I talked about this the first time we met Aaron Deepno, but he is related to a character from the book Insomnia. Mm-hmm. He is the cousin of ed Deepno, who without giving spoilers is a major character in that book so okay. that's our stephen king universe connection <laughs> the other thing i have is i do have a little bit of stephen king news i don't know so have you been following along with this whole like audio drama drama 
Audio drama, drama. No, okay, no. Okay, so this is, it's kind of interesting because I feel like there's a really cool project and we may have gotten a little sneak peek of something going on behind the scenes of like official. So about a month ago, this group called the Dark Tower Audio Drama Team dropped a trailer for their audio drama version of the books. It was a really cool trailer, like great voice acting set to some really cool visuals. And this person, mm-hmm. it's like a nonprofit fan like fan creation okay yeah it it looked really really promising and um the response that it was getting on reddit was really positive it had a premiere date and then all of a sudden it got taken down and it got yes so and then shortly after that they basically posted a, a a status update on twitter about how they why it had gotten taken down that they had received a cease and desist so basically what they like someone representing Stephen King reached out to them and said told them essentially that they had to they couldn't continue with the project because it was um threatening something that Stephen King was working on. What yeah. So hold on, let me find the actual quote. But like if they're doing their own kind of like if they're doing fan or fan fiction, like that's not illegal as long as they're not making money on it, right? Well it's a non profit fan fade it's not fan fiction it's an adaptation of the books but it is non-profit and like all just like fan done so isn't that fair use i mean basically yeah so it was like it was interrupting potential negotiations that king was having for his own project which people think probably means they're doing an audio adaptation or maybe something new it's unclear yeah it was threat it was currently threatening mr king's negotiations with an official adaptation of the dark tower so basically at this point what they they have done though is they have unlisted the trailers if you already had a link they're still there it's just you can't search and find them and they're continuing Mm -hmm. to do production on it and they're in negotiation with them because they're i think like you said they're within their sort of legal rights as a nonprofit to do this so he they're like we don't want to like mess up some mr king's adaptation opportunities but we are essentially moving forward behind the scenes well maybe he could get them to just buy theirs and put it on audible or something right because i'm guessing if you did this this would be like a lock and key type of deal where like they just do a audio drama release Mm -hmm. and we've seen such um high response from stuff like the sandman i was thinking the same thing i was like oh i bet like i bet king is like working with audible to do like something like that Oh yeah, and I I'm still not completely done with the second Sandman, but it's also really good. Awesome, awesome. I have that on my like next, but I'm I'm like stalled out in the middle of like the latest Stephen King book. I I've been having this problem where I just like cannot finish books lately. I need to just knock it out. I got sucked I, into a podcast. That's part of the problem. You gotta you gotta have like um a moment in your life where you cut yourself free. So. Uh, even like it's what is it the sunk cost fallacy i just i'm almost it's almost done like i have like 20 minutes left of the book yeah but if you don't like it and it's not going to capture you the you just walk away but what if it gets good at the end (laughs) i mean you can you can what if anything but at the moment does it bring you pleasure then i do i do find myself turning to other things i'll just say that Anyway, okay, so let's get into our listener feedback and Facebook group questions. 
we did another dream casting this time because I think they're fun. And this time we're going to be dream casting for the voice of Andy the robot. Did you do you have someone in mind who you'd like to see voice that character? I mean, I, I kind of went with a, an obvious one. Yeah. But, um, and also, I don't know. I kind of like um, even though Big Bang Theory's always gotten like a a hard rap and they do those things where they play it without the laugh track and like it's not mm, funny it's not funny yeah i still think like sheldon has the natural mechanical voice of like a robot that would be like and it's like it's sort of stereotypical nerd but also like legit robot voice especially with like the sinisterness of of said robot yeah. So that that was kind of my go-to immediately. And to be honest with you, did you ever watch Dexter Lab? Yeah. So do you know who Dexter's Lab's um like enemy was? Like it was the tall kid. Oh, I don't remember. It's in so many years. Uh, so if you ever go back, there's like a a tall, skinny nerd with like black hair that is like always into Dexter's sister and like was his his rival. Um, and whoever voiced that particular character basically has the exact same voice as Sheldon. And also that guy with the glass, well, glasses, that's a horribly vague description of anybody in particular. (laughs) Um, there's a, there's a guy that like in the late nineties, early two thousands when they're like, Oh, that's our nerd friend. And it was always that guy. And he, he had like thicker glasses, say a uh, Sheldon style voice, hmm. and like that, like. Can you name sneer. one of the movies he was in? I cannot. It's just like, um, shoot, I was trying to find the lady with the weird face that looks just like the whistleblower from. Um, okay. Yes, that was uh, Misty. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. That lady, the one that you can never name, but you see everywhere. Yeah, it's like that. He's like one of those character actors. Well, if you can yeah, figure you it out, him. let me know. The only reason I found him was literally I was looking for something completely different or her. And like suddenly she's standing next to the actor that I was actually looking for. <laughs> and it was like in the credits underneath. I'm like, oh, you. And I think it, you're right. It's Missy something. It's yeah. Missy Mm. Yeah. but he's that guy um and they all like are basically the culmination of like sheldon in the big bang theory so yeah it, sheldon, i actually think jim parsons who does have who is sheldon is kind of a great selection because he does have a he has that like friendly yet could be sinister voice and he is a little mm-hmm. robotic without doing like i am a robot like his natural pattern of speech has some sort of like robotness to it that's a good one okay so uh, mine is different but i could easily be swayed to jim parsons but somebody else said it first so i'm i'm not going to tell you mine i'll just tell you when i get to it okay um okay so let's start with our emails this time so we got an email from mark who said long days and pleasant nights i wanted to drop in two pieces of information that pertain to the last episode first the term slewfoot is also an appellation term for black bears specifically ones that kind of bungle around getting into trouble oh that's okay adorable 
The second is muffin balls are definitely referring to a species of puffball mushrooms. Insert blurb on not eating wild mushrooms if you are not trained on IDing them. So puffball mushrooms. What do those look like? I'm Googling. Are you Googling? Yeah, I'm Googling. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. I can see that. I would also definitely not eat that if I saw it. Oh, and I figured out the guy I'm talking about. He actually did literally do the voice for that character I was referring to in Dexter's Lab. Really? Okay. Yep. Eddie Dezine. Dezine. Now I'm going to put this in the chat because you would not know oh, this guy's name. Yes. This is but the... you would know his face everywhere. Yes. He was like in Greece. Yeah. He's in tons of stuff. Like he is the quintessential like, hey, and this is our nerdy friend. And the guy's like, hey, hey. But he's also like the voice in like a bunch oh of God. cartoons. Have you seen his mugshot? <laughs> his mugshot? Is he... Yeah, apparently he... he was arrested for throwing stuff at cops at a restaurant. <laughs> 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 okay, all right, good for you, Dezine. Um, Okay, so that let's see here. As I don't do the Facebooks, I wanted to give my Dreamcasty. Oh yeah. Oh, this is actually it. This is the very first one I pulled. This is the one that I'm like, oh my God, this is this is the answer for me. As I don't do the Facebooks, I wanted to give my dream casting for the voice of Andy. His selection is Alan Tinnock. Alan Tinnock. He was in, like, um, he's done a bunch of voice work, but he was also, he was in Resident Alien. He was in he um, uh, uh, Firefly. He, oh, the jaw guy. Like, the, the guy that has the, like, square jaw. Uh, I guess. Hold on. Alan it's a very prominent like man jaw that's like i'm a captain of something oh yeah yeah he's got a pretty pretty decent jawline for sure which by the way if you have not watched resident alien it's so great it's oh yeah yeah um i'm i'm what season two or three where like things are breaking or wait are we talking about the same thing this is where like he is an alien who takes over the doctor's yes. life yes and then like is in some town in alaska yes. and like yep yep yeah that's that's super good, um, and it's super funny, and it makes me really sad that People of Earth got canceled I because, like, know. those two were hand-in-hand hand with each other. Yes, I agree. I agree. I loved People of Earth. That was a best. Oh, that was so good. It's such like, a bummer it, that got canceled. It checked all the X-Files or X Files boxes, but, like, from the perspective of an alien that doesn't know what they're doing. I think it was doing. on the wrong channel. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was on like, like on, FX or something. Oh, or I thought it was like USA maybe, or something weird like yeah, that. Yeah, it was some it, – like I think it would have done really well on sci-fi. I think it would have done really well on Netflix. But I think, yeah, put it was on the wrong network because it was I mean, really good. If it was on Netflix, they still would have canceled it after season Although, did three, you recognize right? the, the like leader of the reptile aliens shows up in a- Resident Alien? He's not oh, – he? I kept waiting for him to be that alien again. <laughs> He's like he shows up and he's like the handsome rival doctor that shows up. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you're People right. Of Earth was freaking great, man. But mm. yeah, um, so yeah, Alan Tiddick I think is perfect. But I also really like Jim Parsons. Now, those are my two front runners. Yeah, I didn't think of him as a robot voice until you mentioned uh, um, Resident Alien, and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, you you know what? In that particular sense, he like does play the like I'm not a human really well. He's done a ton of voice acting too. Like he he did like he's like the evil king in um, uh, Wreck It Ralph, and he 
And really? also the chicken from Moana. Like, <laughs> yes, he's done a ton of voice acting. He's really, really skilled. Like, he's kind of like a a next generation Mark Hamill. Like, I think he's it's it's the jaw, man. Yeah. Like, you have that kind of jaw, it gives you so much more range. He's also amazing in the first season of Doom Patrol. He's so good at it. Uh, oh yeah, is it the the like weird uh-huh. like um. Yep, 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 yep. I don't want to spoil Doom Patrol either. Yeah. Um, <laughs> catching up on that too, like this, they're doing good. Right? I'm so glad you like it. I, I have trouble getting people to watch it, like because they're like, "Oh, I'm over superheroes." I'm like, "It's not. It's technically a superhero show, but it's really not. Like, if you've seen every Marvel movie, it is not that." I mean, uh, this is like completely off topic, but they did a really good job of like sort of covering mental illness yes. adjacently and trauma without like yes. yeah without making it like i don't know the normal like depressing or silly or weird or whatever sort of way they like kind of have gone the what dreams may come sort of yeah. way instead and like just been like nope this is it it sucks and it's real bad yeah my partner and i ran like randomly shout like therapy <laughs> okay let's see here all right uh our next email comes from christopher and he says good evening just listening to the latest episode of cast of caw which i thoroughly enjoyed i am loving this trip to the dark tower you two always do a great job of breaking down things and getting me to think about aspects of the books i haven't before in listening to this latest episode it seemed like you both you and dj Uh-oh, what no, I do? we didn't do anything wrong, but this is major spoiler territory. So I think what I will do is I'm going to reply to him about this. He has an issue with a plot point that is coming up that you and I have alluded to and got in the spoiler zone talked about the arrival of a particular character. Uh, ah, and, okay, and okay. He, he likes that aspect of the story and wanted to know why it is that we feel less that way. I will say I'm keeping... Without spoilers, I'm keeping an open mind this time through because I know it's coming. So I'm I'm trying to <laughs> uh, have a better understanding of like the motivation behind it. Whereas before, it felt to me like, what are you doing here? Um, yeah, I uh, I actually like posited this in the group chat the other day, and like they're like, no, no, it's great. I'm like, is it though? Yeah. So, so I think I will respond to you specifically more in depth about that. Um, okay, so, uh, okay. On another note, as far as who would play Pear Callahan, I'm surprised that DJ did not suggest Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> Which can't have him for everything. I mean, sorry. Is there a version of this where he's everyone? <laughs> like, imagine like uh, Sue's. This is like the John Malkovich, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Yes, like it's just like Susanna uh, or Susan Delgado played by Rodney Dangerfield. (laughs) I get no respect. (laughs) That's like her final words on the pyre. Um, (laughs) So dark. Okay. Uh, Okay. So for Para Callahan, I think I would choose either Bruce Dern or Pierce Brosnan. That's interesting. I can't imagine him doing a robot voice. No, no, no. Like, this is for Per Callahan. He's responding to last oh, week. Okay, and then okay, he gets okay, into okay. Andy. But so right. I don't I, I'm guessing you did not watch um False Positive, which is not great, unfortunately. It's on Hulu. Mm-hmm. It's a it's kind of like a little bit of a Rosemary's baby situation that has to do with IVF and like it's really, really it's really creepy in some aspects. It doesn't quite land it, but Pierce Brosnan plays the 
Um, How do you do something scary about irritable bowel syndrome? No, no, no. IVF. Oh, oh okay, okay. It's about <laughs> it's IVF. A, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it, <laughs> every time I get irritable bowel, I go murder someone. Oh, it's like um uh, farting, but an infrasound. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that twist. Right. You're like, why do I feel so ominous? Oh, right. His farts are infrasound level. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he's he's like this really like creepy guy. In a, no, no, uh, OBGYN. There's like lots of speculum and like him lubing up the speculum and making weird noises. It's very upsetting. My point is, I feel like Pierce Brosnan because he's so handsome and he did the whole like 007 thing it's mm-hmm. easy to like kind of group him into sort of bohunky but he actually i think is ready for the creepy sort of strange phase of his career so i could see him as Per callahan well even when he was uh 007 he like had a ominous undertone because of his like super straight face mm-hmm yeah, yeah. I mean, there is something when someone is too handsome can also code as sinister. Um, and I think it's it could be it could be used for that. It could also be used for uh, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. Okay, uh, Dern would definitely be my first choice, but I think we need he would need to go softer and less abrupt and kinder than he has with some of his the character the other characters he plays. I agree. As for the voice of Andy the robot, I'm leaning towards Sean Hayes, or maybe that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Perhaps Sean the voice Hayes. would be too jokey. Difficult to pinpoint a voice for Andy, I have to admit. Yeah, okay, I recognize him. Mm-hmm. It, and apparently now new Will and Grace, I guess. Oh, yeah, that's right. They restarted that show. See, I don't know. Mm. I'm, I don't know. I'm out of loop. I should know that, but I don't. Uh, and he, he said, anyway, please keep up the incredible work. You have created a tight community of bean walkers, and I say thank you, Sai. Oh, Christopher. <laughs> that's so nice of you to say. I feel the same way. I'm glad you're a part of our little community. Okay, so let's go to the Facebook. All right. So Sheldon, oh, see, Sheldon knows what's good. He always knows what's good. His choice is Alan Tiddick. (laughs) (laughs) He's already voiced robots and droids for Star Wars. Oh, that's right. This guy has done a ton of voice acting. I didn't realize how much like there's a Batman audio adventure podcast. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Apparently he's the voice of Alfred in it. Perfect. What the fuck? Yeah, he's done a ton of voice acting. That's why I was saying he's like kind of a modern day Mark Hamill. Oh, he's in Modoc too. Dang. Yeah, yeah this guy's in everything. Oh, Final yeah. Space. Mm-hmm. Which R.I.P. They're never going to finish that plot. Yeah. Mm. Devil May Cry. Lots of video games. Mm-hmm. Solar Opposites. Yep. You know those things. Ro- oh, no, of course, Robot Chicken. Harley Quinn. Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah, he's, he does the Joker, and he does Clayface, who is amazing. Man, now I want to see, like, Mark Hamill and him do Joker side by side. Right? I mean, they're very different takes. Um, But, yeah, Alan Tiddick is great. Okay, so Damien says, this one is a twist, and I'm kind of into it. Tony Todd, a.k.a. original Candyman. Hmm. So that would be a very different take on andy like because he has that very deep voice like if you think about him being like helen be my victim (laughs) (laughs) uh john says peter cullen the voice of optimus prime yeah 
I mean, here's yeah. the thing is if you want to be lulled into a sense of like a, a false sense of security with Andy, give him Optimus Prime's voice because like that is like it like on a DNA level coded into my body is like that is a good. It's like, view. oh, I trust you. Like, right. You're Optimus Prime. Right. You're freaking Optimus Prime. You have to be a good guy. <laughs> Christopher says, different Christopher. Steve Blum, major voice acting cards. Lots of people could do it with the right and slight robotic augmentation. Always thought of Andy being sort of a casual neighborly type, not overly proper like Star Wars droid. Also need someone who can contain multitudes to get Andy done well. Correct. So Steve Blum, I'm not, I don't know that name. He's no. done a bunch of robot stuff. Uh, looks like Owl he was House? also in Cowboy Bebop. Oh, that's who he is. He's the voice of Spike. Spike Spiegel. Yes. That's who he is. Oh. Okay, I, I, I've actually met this guy then. Oh, well then. You should have recognized his face. Well, no, <laughs> no. Like, so have you ever gone to an anime festival and like the lead is a voice actor? Mm, like the, mm-hmm. the star person is a voice actor? Yeah. And like you don't know him from whoever because like. But then he does the voice and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it was him, the lady that voiced like Boma and a bunch of other stuff from like Dragon Ball Z and, and that era of cartoons. And like the guy that did the voice for um, Brendan in home movies mm. and they were all there and they're like Brendan Smalls. Uh-huh. Yeah. And like, you wouldn't know him from, from Andy and like, they're there just like hanging out. And then like, when they talk, you're like, Oh, except for the Brendan Smalls guy. Apparently they like, he doesn't sound anything like Brendan Smalls. Apparently they did like weird modulation. Uh, speed, yeah. Yeah. Speed up or slow down uh-huh. to get him to sound like that. So like in real life, he doesn't sound anything like his character. So this guy's been in everything. Tons of he stuff. was yeah. Zeb in Star Wars Rebels. He was Amon in Legend of Korra. He was. Oh, Looks like every anime voiceover, basically like uh, Dante's Inferno, Afro Samurai, uh, the the x-men version the one that's like more animated than regular he was um hammerpaw from kipo the like leader of the cat the viking cats oh damn i would you're right you know putting those two together that like hooks up with um with spike yep yep okay Mm. all right i'm in this guy has the chops he could do it i wouldn't be bummed if he did it Okay, James says Anthony Hopkins in his Hannibal Lecter voice. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it would definitely be creepy as hell. I think the problem with that is like it would come off too strong right out of the You'd gate. You'd be like, oh no, this guy is definitely. Gonna and you're like, you can be trusted. Kid. Yeah, he's going to eat us. Uh, John Cleese for sure says Tabitha. John Cleese, I love, do love John Cleese. I love John Cleese, but could John Cleese do it without being whimsical? I mean, but think about the turn he would take. Pretty mm. creepy. So Tim suggested something which has a sidebar of blowing my mind. Tim says William Daniels, the voice of Kit on Knight Rider, who is also Mr. Feeney on Boy Meets World. <laughs> what? I know! <laughs> it blew my mind! You know, actually, I think I knew that. You did? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did because um, I'm one of those people that when I hear the voice, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's uh, the voice of this thing from that thing. 
um, and I'm able to link those together. And as soon as I close my eyes and and heard Kit being like, Michael, no, we need to go this way. Yeah. Like I was like, oh yeah, 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 that's Mr. Finney. That, I, well, I did not know that, and my head was like. Poof. <laughs> Oh, awesome, awesome. So I don't know. What do you think? I think my top picks are Jim Parsons, Alan Tiddick, um, and maybe maybe Optimus Prime. I don't know. These are all know, the guy really that was good. throwing burgers at cops, like uh, he might be <laughs> go to throwing burgers at cops. <laughs> awesome okay so thank you everyone who sent in your answers it's always so much fun you guys think of stuff that would never have occurred to me um and i i we love love hearing from you and having you guys be part of the show so i am gonna throw out our next question okay so our question for the next and i will post this on the facebook as well but i want to give people who are not on the facebook's a chance to con- to send these these answers into to cast of Caw at zombiegirlsgrrlz.com so this chapter one of the major plot points essentially was that jake got to see what happened after he left the like after the story had moved on from a scene mm-hmm. right we found all the stuff that happened at the restaurant of the mind or whatever so my question is for you is what scene from the books do you wish that you could like chime travel back to to see what happened next think about it so is there a moment where you wish you had seen it play out or you wish you could have seen what followed i'm trying to think of an example that I may use as my answer next time, but there is Jonas and the man in black have that meeting in wizard and glass. And I kind of would have liked now that we've know what, how it all plays out. I would actually like to go back and see that whole conversation would be one. I mean, yeah. Or like what the little people were up to (laughs) before they ran over and attacked the, the gang when they were in the city, you know, exactly. Or what happened. Yeah. Any, anything like that. So think about like a scene that you're like, God, I wish I could have known more about that. And I want to tote it. I want to uh, chime travel, chime travel, <laughs> time travel, <laughs> chime travel to <laughs> see what it was. And I want to know what that scene is and why. Okay. So we will talk about that on the next episode, which we will also be covering. So for those of you who are reading along, we're going to be covering chapter three, Mia. So read that. In two weeks, we'll be back. We'll be talking about that. I'm sure I'll find some weird psychological and or metaphorical thing to get obsessed with. So that is it for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you absolutely can and should. You can reach us at castofcaught.zombiegirls.com. Come hang out with us over on the Cast of Caught Facebook group. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ZG Podcasts. If you love the show, please review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. If you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar on the Zombie Girls website. And if uh, you are doing a little Christmas shopping, maybe it's Black Friday when we're recording this. It won't be when it comes out, but that doesn't matter. The point is there's tons of sales this month. Tee Public, which is where we sell all our merch. You should check. That makes great Christmas gifts for yourself or others uh you can find our store at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch and if you love us and want to support us and want to get more content uh, or even potentially hang out with us on our private discord you can do so by supporting us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombiegirls and uh we just want to thank all of you patrons that have been supporting us this is our we're coming to the end 
of the year. We started our Patreon in January. So for everyone that has been supporting us along the way, it means the absolute world to us that you love the the <laughs> random stuff we put out into the internet. And we're so glad you have fun. As fun listening as we do making it. So thank you. Thank you for your support this year. We have some really fun stuff planned for next year that we'll, I'm excited to announce as we move forward. All right. So until then, though, unless they're sticking around for the extended episode, DJ, where else can they find you on the Internet? Uh, well, you can swing over to deadlander.com and check out uh, some of the other podcast work I do. Uh, you find me on the Zombie Girl channel and um, sometimes on Etsy and some other random places, uh, including uh, trolling small towns uh, on their Facebook pages <laughs> throughout the <laughs> Pacific Northwest. Don't worry about it. I'll tell you some other day. Um, also, uh, just want to throw this out there. If it makes it out in time, uh, you can get Hulu for one year, 99 cents a pop. So that's uh, uh, $12 for an entire year. Um, yeah, I got to look does at not that. Give me any monies at all. And I was on the $1.99 plan last year. Um, I had my reminder set for today to cancel. And when I got it in the morning, I went to cancel and like they offered me uh, $2.99 for their next six months. So uh, maybe that's a secret way to get Hulu on the cheap continuously. Uh, yeah. Rachel, where can they find you? Well, you can find me all across the Zombie Girls Network. You can find me on, on Zombie Girls, uh, where we review horror films from a feminist perspective. You can find me on Stream Queens, where we review horror films that stream on the internet. You can find me on More Deadly, where we review horror films exclusively directed by women. And you can find me on the Untitled Nick Cage show, where we review all of Nick Cage's films. Uh, starting from the beginning, although we're cheating a little bit this month, we're doing his one and only Christmas movie, Family Man. Uh, for our December Wait, episode, Nick has a, a, a Christmas. He does. It's kind of like a wonderful life type of film. Apparently, I've never seen it. This is going to be a first watch for me. So we'll be watching that like probably next week. <laughs> the other thing uh, you can find, not myself uh, on the most recent episode, but Ariel from More Deadly and Zombie Girls is over on uh bloody good horror this week talking about last night in soho so you should definitely check that out i was also recently on trick-or-treat radio where we reviewed Tatane. you'll be surprised to discover it was a uh, divisive <laughs> opinions on the french body horror film <laughs> yeah anyway so that's where you can find me on the internet uh i think that's everything we also have a really special series coming up on here's johnny but i'll talk more about that when we get closer all right, cool. Uh, I guess that's it. So, DJ, take us out. Listen, guys, uh, <laughs> if you're going to start a new restaurant, please don't just copy the restaurant that's next to you already because we already have enough burger and bubble tea places. Oh. Be creative. Think out of the box. I don't know. Make grilled cheese or something, mm. but not another burger place. Please, not another good burger place because we have enough. Good night. The scourge of bubble tea, dude. I know, right? How it's like, many hey, bubble uh, tea places does one town need? Listen, don't put tapioca in my tea. Get out of here. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, Thanksgiving edition. First of all, DJ, how was your Thanksgiving? Uh, well, we didn't have a real Thanksgiving. We had a Friendsgiving. Okay. Friendsgivings uh, are fun. So, 
everybody has like weird work schedules. So we ended up doing like a Tuesday night and then taking all of Thanksgiving day off to just not do anything of real value or merit. And, uh, yeah, so we had, um, the maximum number of people we could fit in our house around a table, which was 10 and, uh, just barely had enough room to seat everybody. Like ended up borrowing some benches and chairs, realized that we do not have enough silverware, for that many people because like we almost never host more than like four or five max at a time especially now yeah and so this is the first event since yeah since lockdown basically where we've had a large number of people in our home and uh it went really well uh everybody brought meals that really accident each other uh we didn't know how much meat to cook so we ended up with a 17 pound turkey and Ooh. nine pounds worth of ham. Whoa, which, uh, amazing. Yeah, which uh, was a little bit over the top, I should say. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we ended up uh, sending leftovers home with everybody. Our favorite Thai place down the street has really good plastic containers that their food is served in to go. And so we'd been saving those and weaseling them away for the last, like, couple of months. And they're, nice. they managed to make it through the dishwasher. So... We were able to hand those out for free to fill up with uh, leftovers and take home. And we were only left. You're about to go away for the weekend. You're like, we got to get this fucking food out of here. Yeah, we we got some, a little bit of turkey left and a little bit of uh, um, ham left. And then uh, for some reason, the Butterball company sent us like four extra boxes of crap. And so we have a freezer full of uh, mac and cheese from the Butterball Mm. store. And we figured out if you cook some bacon, throw it in there, and then Top it with some uh, Parmesan. You can really turn that into a festivus for the rest of us. Now, you also got to, like, roast some, some like, broccoli or something and throw it in there. Then I mean, right now, it. I think the the real fancy uh, stuff has, like, crab meat in it, I think. Or oh, yeah. lobster or something Old like that. pork or something. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, like, it's been. Ooh, you're a, making me hungry. <laughs> it's been a thing to, like, have fancy mac and cheese. And I think there's actually, like, three fancy mac and cheese places around us. So. Oh, my God. I love mac and cheese. There's a, there is a fancy mac and cheese place somewhat near us. I've only ever had it, like, once or twice. But it because it because it is so hard to get into. I have a hard time it, spending $22 on a single plate of oh, mac and cheese. Oh, it's not. It's not that fancy. Oh. <laughs> it's more like thirteen, fourteen dollars. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. So, Thanksgiving foods favorite, most overrated bullshit. Two favorite. Like, wait, wait, wait. Is this a? Those are my three choices, or is it? No, like- no. What I'm saying is, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food, and which one is overrated bullshit? Oh uh, well, let's start with the bullshit. Um, you know, uh, cranberry sauce. Oh, is, controversial. Is garbage. Um, <laughs> you know. And is that true whether it's in a can or it's fresh made? Or? Uh, so I'm my my friend Josh actually made some that had like roasted peppers in it. Ooh. And it sounded pretty fancy, but it's cranberry sauce, so I just did not partake. Um, okay. But especially the gelatinous circle that comes out of the can is yeah. super garbage. And then like a lot of people have found it okay to just like slice those into like round like uh-huh. slender bits and like serve it that's that's nasty you know if you ever <laughs> see how like uh how the pudding is made uh with that yeah. gelatin stuff like Ooh, yeah, i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> you will not want to eat anything gummy or <laughs> got it or cranberry got it. um on the tasteful side um 
if, if you've never had like, what's it, what's the thing you most go for? You're like, yes. Well, it wasn't available this year, and I like I try to not eat too many potatoes, but like if you make a really good mashed potato with um with ranch dressing in it and chives. Whoa. Oh. It is so damn good, but uh, also super bad for you. So like, I want it. Yeah, but it's Thanksgiving. Like, don't you give yourself a pass on Thanksgiving? Mm, I try to, I try to stick to like not overdoing it on Thanksgiving because like the worst thing you can do after Thanksgiving is like everybody wants to play a game and you overate and then you just feel miserable the rest of the night. Mm, so yeah. I pace myself. Deviled eggs yeah. are another one where like I love them, but you know. <laughs> You eat a few too many of those and they don't love you. Mm.